something to praise the Lord for. Of course, our special offering today for the building fund, a special double tithe offering this morning. Of course, tonight's total will be added into this, but this morning, $24,038.16. Amen. We are headed fast toward the goal that we had for the end of the year, and that was uh, to have $100,000 in our building fund, and we are fast approaching it. Thank you for being faithful to give to the Lord. I know it's a sacrifice to many of us, but giving to the Lord will always be rewarded. And it is a true statement. It's an old statement, but it's true. And that is you can't outgive God. And uh, God never fails to prove himself time and time again when his people sacrifice. Thank you for being faithful to give. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Ask him to bless our service tonight, and then we'll hear some more music. Father, once again, we come to your house, God wanting to give you glory wanting to give you praise, wanting to say truly how excellent your name is in all the earth. There is nobody like you. There is nobody that can take care of us like you take care of us. There's nobody that can reach, uh, reach to us and meet our needs like you can. Thank you. Thank you for the service we had this morning. Thank you for meeting with us in such a special way. Thank you for the message we heard that lifted you up and thank you that tonight we are serving the one who is altogether lovely, the one who is the fairest of 10,000, the one who is and always will be the possessor of the kingdom, the one who has the power and the one who has the glory. Thank you for reminding us again this morning of how wonderful you are. Bless this service tonight. Bless our pastor and Miss Sherry as they're away. Thank you again for the offering that we received this morning. And Lord, continue to bless this church for their faithfulness and giving. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated.
the shadow of death. <laughs> I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and staff. For the child of God, resting in Jesus, it's just a journey to our heavenly place. And the sting of death has been defeated through the blood of Jesus. Amen.
We'd like to welcome our first-time guest at this time. If you are here for the first time tonight in our services, we're glad to have you with us. And if, so if you're here for the first time, we'd like for you to have a seat, please. Our ushers are going to give you a visitor's packet. It's good to have Nick. He is from Romania. He's working with Titus International along with David and Andy. We're glad to have them with us tonight. And Nick will be sharing a little bit about what they're doing at the end of the service. And uh, so we're glad to have them with us. All first-time guests have a visitor's packet. There's a card in there. If you'll fill that out and drop it in the offering plate in just a few moments, we'd sure appreciate that so we have a record of you being with us. It's time now to turn around and shake hands with somebody. Let them know you're glad to see them, especially welcome those who are our guests tonight. things we wanted to make mention of tonight. We've got uh, some music from the Bible Conference, some choir music from the Bible Conference, just a few copies of, of these CDs. They're $5 a piece. Kevin Hawkins will have them out in the lobby afterward. Uh, if you would like to pick up one of the, the Paths Bible Conference, um, the choir music, we have it on CD. It's just, it's nothing fancy. It's just live right out of the service, just like you hear it. 
And uh, so we're, uh, th that's available for you. I guess maybe that wasn't the best thing to say, huh? <laughs> it's not this fancy studio or something. It's down home right where you live, music out of the service. Did I redeem myself? Okay. Lord, you got to watch these people behind you. Again, pray for the pastor and Miss Sherry as they are away on vacation, enjoying themselves. We're glad they got a chance to do it. Um, they're somewhere between here and Hawaii, or maybe they're there by now, I don't know, but they're enjoying themselves. Wednesday night, wanted to again remind you that our services will be moved to Highland Park Baptist Church because of the Southwide Baptist Fellowship. Our choir will be singing over there. The choir will be singing at 6. We sing from 6 to 625, according to the schedule. Um, if you call over and ask them what time the service starts, they'll tell you 7. So you make sure you're there at 6 so you can be a support to our choir. And we're looking forward to that. No one is Wednesday night. Nothing going on here. We're moving everything over to Highland Park Baptist Church. That's on Bailey Avenue here in Chattanooga. A couple of prayer requests. Again, continue to pray for the Warnick family. We went by there and saw them today. And Miss Juanita is still hanging in there. Uh, but uh, she's getting real close to meeting Jesus face to face. So pray for the family and also um, Miss Alma Chadwick. Um, she's not doing well also. I did get a, a note from uh, the Hudgens. Uh, Ms. Quinn Hudgens, I told you this morning that she went through a procedure this uh, over the weekend that didn't take. I found out that the doctors came back in and said that it did take. And uh, sometimes you wonder if they know what they're talking about. But anyway, um, they came back in and said it was all right. And uh, so hopefully Ms. Quinn will be able to come home very soon. She's been in the hospital for about 10 days. So continue to pray for her if you would. I don't think there's anything else that we needed to announce. Let's uh, have our ushers come forward, and we'll receive our offering for tonight. And again, tonight's offering will go towards the building fund, be added in to the total from this morning, and we're just, we're just excited about what God's doing. Amen? All right. Let's pray. Brother Roy Phipps, if you would, please lead us in prayer for the offering.
just lost their dearest friend. All that he said, now he was dead, so this was the way it would end. The dreams they had dreamed were not what they seemed. Now that he was dead and gone, the garden, the jail, the hammer, the nail, how could a night be so long?
Them shouting words right there, amen? I'm glad we serve a risen Savior. Let's all stand. They're going to play something. The choir is going to find a place in the congregation. We need to remember um, Terry tonight. Terry is preaching down in South Dalton. And uh, JC is also preaching at a church in the area tonight. So we need to remember both of them in prayer. As they are probably standing up to preach about this time also. If you want to, you can go ahead and be turning your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Go ahead and be finding your place there while the choir finds their place close to you. God tonight out of the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. The Lord allowed me to teach this or preach it however you want to say it in our Sunday school class just a few weeks ago but I felt the Lord leading me to preach it again tonight and so those of you that were in Sunday school you'll just get a double dose of it. Amen. <laughs> um Whenever you hear a message, God, if you're listening, God normally speaks to you. And I guess I need to get this thing on, don't I? Um, then when you hear it a second time, God sometimes even says something else to you. And that's the way it is in preaching or teaching things. You do it the second time around, God seems to just minister to your heart even more. And I trust that he'll do that to my heart tonight and also to your heart as you listen to what he has to say. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, look with me in verse number 7. Of course, the Apostle Paul writing this, and he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. This guy was so good of a Christian sometimes, I, I wonder if I could ever be anything like him. But he says, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. The first phrase of verse number 11, he says, I am become a fool in glory. Thank you. You can be seated. Looking at this passage and reading the struggle that the Apostle Paul was going through at this time, the thought came to mind that I've entitled this message, When It Just Won't Go Away. If you're like me, one of the things that you despise about summertime is the mosquito epidemic that we have here in the South. I am an attraction for them. They will bite my wife, but if I am with my wife, I am her repellent. They don't mess with her. They come to me. And there are times when I'm outside in the summer that I tell you, it gets so bad I have to go back inside. I can't be outside very long because 
It's like they've all ganged up and they start calling all their friends. Hey, fresh blood right here. And uh, no matter what I do, they won't leave me alone when I'm outside. Sometimes even with repellent on, they still like me. I think they're attracted to the repellent that I use or something. But you know, sometimes in the Christian life, we face things that seem as if they'll never leave us alone. They're like, they're like those little mosquitoes or like those little gnats. They just, it just doesn't seem to leave us alone and it just won't go away. And we face those things and even though they may not be the things that we would choose for our lives, we can still find some reasons to be thankful in those things. God never told us to be thankful for our trials. But he did tell us to be thankful in our trials. He said, in everything, give thanks. He didn't say for everything. I think God knows our humanity enough that he knows we're not just going to go jumping up and down and rejoicing because we had problems. But we can, as Christians, find some reasons to be thankful in our trials. And I think we can do that by looking at some observations, if you will, or some things out of this passage as we look at this text and look at what Paul had to say to us here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. When it just won't go away. I find myself preaching a lot of times encouragement type messages. And I think I do that because that's how God has to deal with me a lot of times. And he encourages me with things and I think, well, that was such a blessing to me. I hope that I can share it with you tonight and it'll be a blessing to you also. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we open this message. Father, as we come to this time in the service, we want to thank you for the music that we've heard. Thank you that we serve a risen Savior. Thank you that there was mourning that came. Thank you that your death was not the end of it. Thank you that you rose again. Thank you that our burdens can be lifted away when we come to you. Thank you, dear Father, that nothing is impossible to you. Thank you that when we face trials in this life, we can know of a surety that you are there to help us and you have the power to help us. We ask you to bless our folks that are away tonight, especially tonight. We pray for Terry and JC as they are preaching in other churches. We ask you to bless them and help them. And God, fill them with your power as they stand up and proclaim one more time the blessed news of the gospel. Bless in this, the rest of this service. We'll thank you for it. In your name we pray. Amen. When it just won't... As I looked at this text and, and began to study it and see what God would have to say to us, the first thing that, that caught my eye was verse number 7. And in verse number 7, I see a great struggle. What was the noise? Was that me? We all right? A great struggle is what we see. We see Paul going through something that that was a great struggle in his life. And you look at verse 7, he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Paul was facing something here that was causing him some very serious difficulty. Although there are several theories as to what his thorn was, the Bible does not reveal the specifics about it. It just calls it a thorn in the flesh. C.I. Schofield put it, he said, Paul's particular, Paul's particular thorn is not described so that his consolation may avail to, for all to whom any thorn is given. You see, God did not reveal the thorn here, and I think he had a purpose in that. He, he did not reveal the thorn so that, uh, so that for us, whenever we go through any trial of life, whenever we face any thorn, whenever any problem comes, we can find consolation for our problems in Paul's problem and how he responded to it. And so I think God had a purpose in this. This thorn bothered Paul so much, in fact, that he begged God on more than one occasion to take it away from him. Three times he said, I, I asked God, I begged God, God, take this thing away from me. Have you ever been there before? Something's going on in your life. You're facing a trial, facing a difficult situation, and you're begging God, God, get me out of this thing. God, take it away from me. God, would you help me in this situation? And it seems like God does not answer you. You know, Paul did not get the answer that he wanted either. We want God to take away the trials. We want God to, to let us have peaceful lives. But the Christian life is not necessarily one of peaceful going sometimes. We face trials. We have thorns. We have difficulties. And 
I think if there's anybody in the Bible who knew how to get their prayers answered, who would, or who would get prayers answered if they prayed him, I think it would be the Apostle Paul. Uh, we, we look at Paul and, and we see a man who wrote over half of the New Testament. We see a man who shook the known world for Christ. We see a man who made missionary journeys and started churches and did all these great things for God. And yet Paul is saying, I asked God to do this, to take this thing away, and he didn't do it. God answered Paul, but he didn't answer him the way that he wanted to. We see a great struggle, and as we look at this thorn, first of all, I think we see the purpose of the thorn. You notice twice in that verse, the Bible says, lest I should be exalted above measure. If you look back with me in verse 1 of this chapter, Paul started this off by saying, it is not expedient for me doubtless to glory, or there's no doubt that it's not helpful or profitable for me to glory. He was saying there's, there's really no good in me trying to find glory in myself. But he, I think he goes on to say here, but if, if, if it was helpful, I have reason to glory. Listen to what he says. Verse, verse 1, he says, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Verse 2, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. He says, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man. And again, he says, whether it's in the body or out of the body, I'm not sure. But verse 4, he says, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. It's, it's a common thought that Paul was speaking here about himself and the time when he was on one of his missionary journeys and he was taken outside of the city and was stoned and left for dead. And it's very possible that Paul could have, could have seen some things and God could have allowed Paul to catch a glimpse of heaven and could have, uh, could have allowed him to catch a glimpse of what was going on in the afterlife and Paul is saying here, look, it's not helpful for me to glory, but if, if, if it was, I've got reason to. I've been to heaven. I've seen things nobody else has seen. But he says, that's not what I'm about. And I think God may have given Paul this thorn just for one purpose, and that is to make sure he did not get exalted so he did not get proud about the things that God had allowed him to see. Sometimes God allows thorns in our lives so we just won't get too big-headed on him and start taking glory for ourselves. We see the purpose of this storm. It would be very easy for a man who had seen the things that Paul had seen to become very prideful, but God revealed at least one reason, if not the only one, for allowing the thorn in Paul's life, and that was to keep him humble. God has a purpose in every single thing in our lives. God has a purpose for every thorn. God has a purpose for every problem. God has a purpose for every difficulty. God has a purpose in it all, just like he had a purpose in Paul's thorn. But not only do we see the purpose of the thorn, but I think we see the price of the thorn. The price of the thorn. You say, what price? It doesn't say that it cost him anything. No, I want you to notice that it says that it was given to me. This thorn was free of charge. If tonight we said, uh, we said uh, if we advertised, we're going to have a healing line at Temple Baptist Church, I guarantee you the building couldn't hold the people. If we said tonight we're going we're gonna to give away $100 to everybody who walks through the door, it was given free of charge. Thorns free for the taking. Who wants one? None of us do. I'm not raising my hand there. This was thorn was not punishment. It had come directly from God. God gave this thorn to him. And sometimes God, in his infinite wisdom and sovereignty, just decides to give us a thorn. Not pleasant by any stretch of the imagination, but always purposeful. God always has a purpose for it. And sometimes it's nothing we've done. Paul didn't deserve this. He hadn't done anything to deserve it. He wasn't living a life of sin, and so God said, I've got to bring punishment on him. No, God had just decided to do it. For some unknown reason necessarily, for some, uh, you know, something we not, we're not really sure about maybe, but for some reason, Paul was given a thorn. And there's some in here tonight. You don't know why God has allowed that thorn in your life. You don't know why God has allowed that problem to surface and why God's allowed that problem to stay. But God gave it to you for a reason. We see the purpose of the thorn. We see the price of the thorn. It was free. But we also see the power of the thorn. He said, it's the messenger of Satan to buffet me. That word buffet there has two meanings. First of all, it means to strike with the fist or to give one a blow with the fist. Secondly, it means to treat cruelly or roughly, to treat with violence and contempt. 
That's some strong language. He said, this thing is about to kill me. This thing's beating me. This thing's a, it's a cruel treatment. It was not an easy struggle for Paul. Whatever this thorn was, it was a powerful problem in Paul's life. I remember in a couple of years in elementary school when I, when I wrestled in school. And I remember the struggle that was involved in wrestling matches. And I remember going to these the wrestling meets, and I remember uh, the amount of, of intensity that it took in those matches. And me being a big sports fan, I like watching the, the I like watching about any kind of sports you can imagine. Uh, watching football all day today, probably like most everybody else in here, most all the other guys in here at least. Uh, we like watching football. And uh, watching today and, and watching the struggle that goes on in sporting events. And the struggle that goes on in those things as they strive to gain some type of advantage. They struggle, they struggle, they struggle, they strive, they keep going. And that's what Paul was doing here. He said, look, this thing is an adversary against me. This thing is an enemy of mine. It's a thorn. It's a problem in my life. It's powerful. He said, I can't seem to shake it. I can't get rid of it. I'm struggling with it on a daily basis. I'm fighting it on a daily basis. I'm, I, just, I can't get rid of it. You ever been there? Are you there now? You there tonight? Have you been saying, God, why don't you let this thing get out of my life? God, why don't you take this away? God, why? God, why? We wonder that sometimes. But God's got a purpose for every thorn. It was given to Paul. It was a powerful thing. And so we see Paul's great struggle. But then we move on later in verse number 9, if you look at that with me. Not only do we see a great struggle, but we also see a grace sufficient. We see a grace sufficient. Verse 9, it says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. Let me just stop right there, raise both hands and say, Hallelujah, I'm glad that I serve a God whose grace is sufficient for me every single step of the journey. God's grace is there. It's more than I can, more than I could ever use. It's more than I could ever use up, more than I could ever spend. God's grace goes higher than my problems and His grace is sufficient for me. And I'm thankful for that. He says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. In Paul's time of need, he found God with a ready supply of grace to help him through. A grace sufficient. If we look at verse number 9, first of all, I think we see a personal reply. A personal reply. It says, He said unto me. There are times in our lives when nothing will do but the voice of God, and He knows how to get you to hear it. Sometimes we, and not, a church family is wonderful to have in trials. You've got people to support you, people to help you. It's wonderful to come to church and hear the preacher preach a message that ministers to your heart. But there are times when we go through some deep, dark waters, the voice of the preacher doesn't seem to do it. The voice of our friends and our Christian brothers and sisters doesn't seem to do it. But then all of a sudden, in the still of the night when it seems all hope is gone, there's a still small voice that speaks to our hearts and lets us know that everything is going to be all right. A personal reply. God spoke to Paul, my grace is sufficient. And that leads us to not only a personal reply, but a promised resource. He said, my grace is sufficient. The word sufficient here means to be possessed of unfailing strength. A one word definition could be this, enough. My grace is enough for you. What a blessed promise that there is an unfailing strength that gives us enough grace for every trial that we face in this life. That has got to be one of the most blessed promises of the Word of God when He said, my grace is enough for you. You say, what about this problem? My grace is enough. What about this situation? My grace is enough. What about this difficulty? My grace is enough. What about this thorn? My grace is still enough. My grace is sufficient for thee. Are you going through it tonight? Seem to just be battling at every turn. Everywhere you look, it seems like you're faced with an obstacle. It seems like there's a thorn or maybe more than one thorn in your life. And everywhere you turn, you're getting stuck this way and stuck that way. God's got a message for you tonight. My grace is sufficient for thee. We see a personal reply. God spoke a word to Paul. 
We see a promised resource. My grace is sufficient. And then we see a powerful revelation. If there's anything in this message that spoke to my heart, it was this right here. He said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness. The word perfect here means to be carried through completely, to be completed, to be accomplished, to be fulfilled or finished, to add what is yet wanting in order to render a thing full. It's like if you had half a glass of water sitting here and you've what, that, what, what was left in that glass is what it's talking about here. The amount of water that it would take to fill that glass all the way up is what God is talking about here, to add what's yet wanting in order to fill something up. This has got a wonderful truth for us today. It insinuates this, that God's strength is unfulfilled and incomplete until He is able to put it to work in our lives. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Your weakness is what completes my strength, is what God is saying. God makes a volcano erupt with more power than an H-bomb, and yet His power is unfulfilled. He makes the earthquake with a force 100,000 times more powerful than the atom bomb, and yet His power is still unfulfilled. God created the hurricane that generates more power every 10 seconds than all the electric power used in the United States in a year. And yet His power is still unfulfilled. One flash of lightning would keep any home lit for 35 years, and yet its Creator's power is incomplete. But He reaches into the life of a Christian who is battling in the storms of life and gives him strength to go on, and God's power is finally complete and fulfilled. God can do all these wonderful things. God spoke the world into existence and still His power was lacking something. God can do everything in this world. He makes everything happen, keeps everything going, and still His power is not complete. But I'm going through a storm. I'm battling in life and God reaches into my life and gives me grace and gives me strength and that's when His strength is completed and fulfilled. God needs me for His strength to be completed. But not only does God need me, God needs me to be weak so that his strength can be completed. I don't know what that does for you, but I about woke up everybody at my house when I saw it. I had myself a time in God. God takes what hurts me the most, and it's what helps him. The things that bother me, the things that I battle, the things that I face, are the things that help God. My weakness helps God. Boy, that'll cause us to look at it in a little different light, won't it? My strength is made perfect in your weakness. It is when we are weak that God can become strong through us. Our weakness completes God's strength. What a truth. It really is a powerful revelation that God gives to us. My strength is perfected. It's completed in your weakness. That's an awesome truth. As I thought about sufficient grace, I thought of a story that I heard one time about a group of martyrs years ago, a group of Christians who were about to be martyred in the ancient Roman Empire when they were doing away with the Christians in the famous Colosseum. But this group of Christians was about to be burned at the stake. One of the men said, I'll volunteer to go first if they'll take me. And somewhere there in the cell, there was a window. They could look out into the courtyard. They could see where the, the killings were taking place. And this fellow told him, he said, if the grace is sufficient, if the grace is greater than the fire, he said, I'll raise my hands and I'll clap them three times. The story goes that they came in and they, he volunteered to be the first to go and, and they grabbed him and took him right on out there tied him up and set the wood ablaze. As the flames began to engulf the man's body, this anxious group inside sitting there around the window thinking all hope is gone now, we haven't seen anything. And all of a sudden, two flaming hands reached out and came together three times and then dropped. They knew then that the grace was sufficient 
and the grace was greater than the fire. As I thought about that story, I thought about Paul. Paul here is our martyr friend. He's the one who's gone on ahead of us and gone into the trial. He's in the fiery trial in this chapter. Just like you and I face on a daily basis, he's in a fiery trial. And we face the same type things. We face storms. We face problems. We face difficulties. And Paul seems to be calling back to us through, the, through eternity. And he, he seems to be saying, wait a second. I'm clapping my hands because grace is greater than the fiery trial. And I'm glad you and I can face it knowing that his grace is sufficient for us. We see a great struggle. We see a grace sufficient. And thirdly, I think what we see in this, these short verses is a glorified Savior. A glorified Savior. If you'll look with me again in verse number 9, the latter part of that verse, he says, Most gladly, therefore... I have to just stop and say I admire Paul for this attitude. I, I, this is the kind of Christian I'd like to be. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. I am become a fool in glorying. Through all of the trials, Paul learned that God could still be glorified and praised. We see, first of all, Paul's rejoicing. We see Paul's rejoicing. He says, I will rather glory in my infirmities. The word glory means to rejoice or joy in something with or without a reason. Whether you have a reason to, be, to rejoice or whether you don't have a reason to rejoice, Paul said, I'm still going to do it no matter if I've got a reason, no matter if I think I should or not. He said, I'm still going to do it. Paul, by his example, challenges us to rejoice in our trials even if we cannot find a reason to do so. Remember what he said in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse number 4? Rejoice in the Lord always, every step of the journey. And again, I say rejoice. Does every step of the journey include our trials? Yes, it does. Does every step of the journey include our problems? Yes, it does. Does every step of the journey include those thorns? Yes, it does. But we can still find a reason to rejoice. Why? Because we know that God's grace is going to be sufficient for us in the problems. When he said in this verse that he wanted the power of Christ to rest on him, he was saying he wanted that power to descend on him, working within him and giving him the help that he needed. When that power becomes real to us, it gives us a reason to rejoice. Whenever we realize we're in the midst of a fiery trial, we're facing some thorn, we're facing some problem, and all of a sudden we realize just how much God's power can do for us, it gives us reason to shout a little bit. Not because we're facing a trial, but because we found a God who can help us in our trial. We see Paul's rejoicing, and then we see Paul's reason. He says, I'm doing this for Christ's sake. He did not decide to rejoice so that others would think of him as a great Christian. He rejoiced for the Lord's sake. Could it be that he had learned the secret of God's strength and his weakness, and he was rejoicing in the fact that God's strength was being fulfilled in his life? He said, I'm rejoicing for Christ's sake. I'm rejoicing because my weakness is helping God. That was his reason. He didn't rejoice because he was going through a problem. He didn't rejoice because of the pain of that thorn. He rejoiced because his weakness was completing God's strength and was being a wonderful help to God. We see his rejoicing. We see his reason. And then we see Paul's resolution. He said in verse number 11, I am become a fool in glory. Now, I'll be honest with you, that's pretty much what I think of that kind of attitude. It is foolish. I think that sounds real weird. And you talk to the average person on the street today, and you tell them, you know what, I'm going to be happy in my problems. And they're going to look at you like you've got room for rent. <laughs> Fool here means someone without reason, senseless, stupid, foolish, and without intelligence. And Paul resolved to take pleasure in his trials to the point of looking stupid about it. He said, I'm going to do it even if it looks stupid. I am resolved. I'm going to rejoice 
in my trials, no matter what anybody else may think, say or do, or what they may say about me, I don't care. I'm going to rejoice in my trial, even if they think I'm foolish, stupid, and without intelligence. The word I take pleasure, the, the phrase I take pleasure in verse number 10. Now see if this is your attitude towards your trials, and see if this is my attitude towards my trials. I take pleasure means it seems good to me. I do it willingly. I prefer it, and I choose it rather than the alternative. Now, how many of you, that's your attitude towards your problem? That's what I thought. How many of you, it's the opposite with you? Let's all be honest and raise our hands. Amen? Paul resolved. He said, I'm going to take pleasure in it. He did not care if he looked like a fool. He was still going to rejoice. That gives me something to shoot for. I want to be that kind of a Christian. Takes pleasure in the problems because I know that my problems are completing God's strength. You remember just a few years ago, September 15th, the day that's the national see you at the poll day for school students to gather on the flagpoles and pray. At prayer meeting that Wednesday night at the Wedgwood Baptist Church in Fort Worth, Texas, a gunman entered the church and fired over 100 bullets into the crowd gathered for prayer meeting. Seven people were killed, seven more were injured, and yet the results that came from that event were nothing short of miraculous. We're talking about a glorified Savior here. Over 200 million people heard the gospel due to the testimony of the pastor and the members through live news coverage and interviews. A community-wide service led by the pastor was broadcast by radio over much of North Texas, and, because one of the victim's families lives and works there, was broadcast in the country of Saudi Arabia as well, where it's illegal to even say the name of Jesus on the street. Thirty-five people were saved in Japan when the service was broadcast live on CNN there. Over 100 school students accepted Christ in the next few days at meetings around their school's flagpoles. Teachers were able to share the gospel in their classrooms, and one of them led 22 of her students to Christ. The church received many letters, calls, and emails with questions about their faith, and many were saved through personal contact. God took a tragedy and turned it into a triumph. And God knows how to get glory out of our trials if we will allow him to do so. What about it tonight? What are you facing that's your thorn? Paul had a great struggle, just like we go through. Paul was not a super Christian. Paul was not somebody so far above us that we can't ever attain to the level that he reached. Now, we're talking about the same Paul that said in the book of Romans, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. We can relate to that. Paul was going through a struggle. He begged God, God, take it away from me. You're here tonight. You're facing something you've been facing for a long time. Seems to be a problem in your life that you can't shake. You spend hours begging God, take it away. God, take it away. God, do something. God, God, do something. Tonight, God's answering you. My grace is sufficient. My strength needs your weakness to be complete. And through it all, God knows how to get glory. And isn't that what it's all about anyway? Think Paul said here, you know what? If God can get glory out of my life better through my trials, then I'm willing to go through my trials. I'll take my trials over no trials if God's going to get more glory out of my trials. That's the kind of spirit I want. I hope that's the kind of spirit that you want tonight. Let's bow our heads.